Revelation chapter 17 in verse 1, where we read, Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me, saying to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So this harlot that sits on many waters, this is the new religious system that's going to be put in place, the one that's going to be impacting the whole world. It's going to impact all of the nations. Even the kings of the earth, the leaders of the earth, will support it, and the inhabitants of the earth are drunk with it. They're all in. They're all looking forward to this. Verse 3, So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with, a gold, and with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a gold cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. And on her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and the abominations of the earth. In old Rome, they would mark the prostitutes with a headband and they would have the name of the prostitute on the headband. So here we see that this is mystery Babylon. And you know that the false gods that are mentioned in the Bible are always mentioned with the idea of them being prostitutes. And, and the nation of Israel would go chasing after these false gods, these prostitutes. They would prostitute the word of God. And so here was this prostitute. She was an abomination um, to the earth. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled in great amazement. So this religious system, it's out for blood. Uh, it, it wants the blood of Christians. And only people who would be against this organization are true Christians. Because People will still call themselves Christians, but they'll be all in with this organization. Verse 7, But the angel said to me, Why did you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and the beast that carries her, which has seven heads and ten horns. The beast that you saw was, and is not, and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel, whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, when they see the beast that was and is not and yet is. Here is the mind which has wisdom, the seven heads of the seven mountains on which the woman sits. There are also seven kings, five have fallen, one is, and the other has not yet come. And when he comes... He must continue for a short time. The beast that was and is not is himself also the eighth and is of the seven and is going to perdition. The ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have received no kingdom as yet, but they receive authority for one hour as kings with the beast." These are of one mind, and they will give their power and authority to the beast. These will make war with the lamb, and the lamb will overcome them, for he is Lord of lords and king of kings. And those who are with him are called chosen and faithful. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. The political leadership in, is now in a relationship with the religious system. So politics and religion do mix, uh, especially when it's not true politics or true Christianity. 
they mix real well. Verse 14 speaks about the battle of Armageddon uh, from uh, chapter 16. If you go back and read chapter 16, you'll see that the battle of Armageddon is uh, written there. Then he said to me, the waters which you saw where the harlot sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. And the ten horns which you saw on the beast, these will hate the harlot and make her desolate and naked, eat her flesh and burn her with fire. For God has put it in their hearts to fulfill his purpose, to be of one mind and to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. And the woman which you saw is that great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. And so there's a lot going on there. Most of it is not important, especially when we start getting into the mountains. Oh, this is the beast that sits on the ten mountains and, and or the seven mountains. And people say, oh, that's Rome. Well, Rome doesn't sit on seven mountains. It sits on seven hills. They're not mountains. And so when you look at mountains, uh, you find that mountains usually represent nations or kingdoms. And, and I don't want to get into all of that because it's not pertinent for the discussion today. This harlot is the false religious system. And it will eventually fall. God will cause the ten leaders to hate the new religious system. And then they will destroy that religious system. This is probably going to happen three and a half years into the tribulation period. That religious system, I believe, is already on its way to being built. It's already on its way to forming. It's not one system right now. We'll discuss that as we go on. But when that system takes over, after the rapture, there aren't going to be any Christians to complain or cry out about that system. And so that system is everyone else. Can you imagine people that are in church right now? They go to church and the rapture happens and all of these people from different churches are taken up, but their church is mostly intact. No one from their church gets taken up. First of all, they have to come up with a reason why that doesn't happen. So they start making excuses why that didn't happen. And then they start blaming God. But then they all join together and say, well, we'll make a better church. We'll come up with a better God. And we'll create that. And that's what they do. But after three and a half years... The Antichrist, the one who was wounded and then comes back to life, he goes into the temple and he performs what's known as the abomination of desolation where he declares himself to be God. He erects a statue, a talking statue. We talked about this when we were talking about AI and quantum computing. And so this talking statue will be able to communicate with people, and he will claim that he is God at that point. And at that point, he doesn't want these people worshiping their false gods because now he's the true God. He wants all the worship to come to him. And so he will wipe out that religious system and demand that everyone worships him. And we know that from Revelation chapter 13 when he declares that everyone's going to receive a mark to buy or sell, but he wants to be worshipped before that. They have to actually deny Christ, deny having a relationship with Jesus, and then they can take the mark and declare uh, their, their allegiance to the Antichrist. So the first commandment in the Bible says you will have no other gods before me. God knew that that was going to be an issue because we were created to worship. 
we were created to find God, to seek God. That's what he put inside of us. He put inside of us a desire to seek after him so that we can find him and be satisfied in our knowledge of him. And in doing that, uh, we begin to have a relationship with him and we learn who God is, what we're here for, and what's coming next. And so that was something that God had put in everyone. But there were certain people that found out about God and said, that's not the kind of God I want to live under. Have you ever heard someone say that before? That's not the kind of God that I would believe in sending people to hell. I have news for you. God doesn't send anyone to hell. Everyone has a choice. I either want to follow God, accept God, believe in him, and receive the gift that he gives me for free. I don't have to buy it. I don't have to work for it. I can do that or I can choose to go to hell. My choice. Everyone's choice. They can decide what they want to do. And so when people use that excuse, you know what, um, I, I don't want to go somewhere where you know, I, I am going to be with a God who sends people to hell. Well, you could tell them God didn't send anyone to hell and he's not sending you to hell either. You have a choice of whether or not you want to go there. Make the right one. So the enemy wants to corrupt the whole idea of God being first before everyone and everything God is first. He wants to corrupt that and he wants to deceive anyone that believes that. I mean, he started in the Garden of Eden with Eve, right? So we know that that's his agenda. He hasn't stopped that agenda. He hasn't changed his tactics in all of these years. 6,000 years later, same tactic, same Satan. So he's still doing the same thing. The one world religion will have many ways to heaven and any God you want to have to get you there. They're going to have many different ways and many different gods. It will be all-inclusive. Everyone's welcome. Hey, bring your God. Come on. We're, we're going to be okay. Except, of course, if you want to worship Jesus. If you want to worship Jesus, there's no place for you in the one world church because that's too narrow-minded. You're not as open-minded as they are. They're so open-minded, their brains have leaked out. So the false prophet is going to be the one over this religious system. Remember that the false prophet, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, he's going to be able to do miracles. R remember there were others that were able to do miracles, like in Moses' day, the, the magicians and stuff, they would be able to do little sideshow miracles and stuff like that. To, they, they would mimic some of the same things that Moses was doing, that God had him doing. Uh, but they got to a certain point where it was like, oh, can't do that, you know, and, and it just proved uh, who God is. And so, slide 12. Remember what Jesus said here in Matthew chapter 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. See, these people who thought they were Christians and they thought they were walking with Jesus, they weren't doing that. They were living for their own glory. They were performing miracles for their own glory. They weren't giving God credit for 
what God was doing. See, because if, if I pray for you and you get better and you get healed, I don't have the gift of healing. You do. You're the one that was healed. I don't have that gift. Okay, and, and if I prayed for someone and they're healed, then I give all the glory to God because I know that when I get a little paper cut, I whine like a baby. I can't heal myself, nevertheless someone else. And, uh, you know, so let's not try to make a, a, all of a sudden a ministry out of, oh, I have this wonderful ministry where I can go out and I can do this and I can do that. You have nothing. It's if God didn't give it to you, you have nothing, right? Because everything is his, everything belongs to him. And, you know, without God, we're just going through the motions. So uh, they may even have done these people that are going to Jesus, they may have done miracles. I, I'm not saying that they didn't cast out demons in Jesus' name. They may have done that because the name of Jesus is powerful. It's able to cast out demons. It's able to do miracles just believing in the name of Jesus to do that. But you know, here's the thing. If you don't believe in your heart that you have the Holy Spirit, if you didn't receive the Holy Spirit when you got saved, well, then maybe you didn't get saved. Because salvation is saying, I need a Savior. If you don't think that you need a Savior, then you aren't saved. Because there would be no reason for you to be saved if you don't need a Savior. So there are people that don't have Jesus in their lives. They don't have the Holy Spirit in their lives. And they live their life for themselves, but they'll tie on to anything that will make them more profitable um, more aware. Slide 13. So that tells me we shouldn't believe in um, signs and wonders. And are we on 13, Joel? I may have lost count here. So the far. What's that? Okay. Yeah, we're a little ahead. Unfortunately, there are many people that are living in that way, looking for signs and wonders, and that's what Jesus tells us not to do. That's how come people are being led astray. That's how come people will go after this woman and the false prophet, the, the, the woman being the false religion, and the false prophet, because they appear to be doing signs and wonders. If you're going to a church because there are miracles happening, if you're going to a church because there's gold dust coming down from the ceilings or you're finding diamonds underneath the seats, um, you know, check it. Check the doctrine. Be a Berean and look to make sure that what they're teaching is accurate. So there are many uh, organizations non-religious organizations that create their own God. You remember Greenpeace? Have you heard much about Greenpeace lately? Oh, they're still around. You can go to their website. They're still out there saving someone, something, someone else. They are protecting the earth, the environment, Animals, fish, all of that. That's what Greenpeace does. As a matter of fact, I was on their website today. And there is a picture of one of their Greenpeace ships. And on the front of the ship is a dove with an olive branch in its mouth 
with a rainbow ribbon going behind it. And it's like, okay, you got all the insignias correct, you know, but you're not living in the same world that we are. You worship the earth and the animals and so on and so forth. You see, because they'll save the fetus of a baby owl, but they won't save the fetus of a baby human. They're completely against that. You know, you, you have to give them freedom. You know what you won't find on the Greenpeace? This is what I went there looking for. Um, I wanted to see if they were having any problem with these windmills that are being placed in the ocean off the northeastern coast, right? Because they're putting these windmills out here, and I don't know if you've heard, but whales are washing up ashore. Bunches of whales are dying and washing up on the shore there because of these windmills that they're putting in. Also, wherever they put these wind farms in, they're killing endangered animals, eagles, owls, and stuff like that. They're killing them. They're flying into the blades and they're killing them. And so, um, you know, not a word from Greenpeace about that. They're worried about deep well drilling in the ocean. We have to stop that, but we're not worried about what it's actually, what you can physically see, uh, the detriment to the environment. No word uh, from them. Then there's PETA, you know, saving animals, but once again, not humans. Uh, something can even come good out of some of these systems and still be misguided. Mothers Against Drunk Drivers, wonderful organization, stopping people from drinking and driving and so on and so forth. That's a good thing. We, we don't want people out there drinking and driving. But at the same time, they will support other things that we'd be completely against. They've made drinking and driving their god. And they devout all of their attention to drinking and driving. Alcoholics Anonymous, another wonderful organization I know many people that have gone to AA and they're, you know, they've done really, really well through the program because they know Jesus. They use the tenets of AA and they, their Christian faith uh, to walk a life of health and, and years of sobriety. They did it because they trust in Jesus. But they know, and I've talked to many of these that have gone to AA, that are in AA still, that say a lot of these folks, they, they fall back into their drunkenness, their alcoholism, because they don't really have anything to stand on. Because AA used to be based on God, now AA is based on whoever your God is. That's something a one world government can relate to. A one-world government can, oh, well, you know, we have many gods. Just go pray to your doorknob and see if that helps you. So let's look at how the one-world religion is shaping up. We can see hints of it happening everywhere. This is the World Council of Churches, and this is um, the, the leader of the World Council of Churches. And he said, um, this was a question posed to them. What do you believe is the role of the ecumenical movement in international multilateral dialogue and cooperation? Before we go on, ecumenical is a, a, um, a term that we've used. It's a religious term that we use that talks about unity. That's what 
ecumenism is. It's unity within the churches. But when you hear the term ecumenical today, it has been diluted with uh, words like diversity and inclusion, the DEI, equity and diversity and inclusion. It's been diluted with that now. And so it really doesn't have the same meaning so we here up in uh, Fountain Hills have a group of pastors that get together, we pray together, we meet together, we do events together, uh, because we decided that we were going to be ecumenical in the correct sense, in that we have unity in Jesus Christ. We believe in the, the solid tenets of our faith. Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God who came to earth and he saved us by going to the cross and dying for our sins and he raised from the dead and then is at the right hand of the Father. We can all agree on that. And because we agree on that, we can now join together and do things together. Uh, you know, some of them wouldn't want to do an event like this. They don't, some of them don't believe in the rapture. And that's okay. I, you know, you don't have to have the same exact theology and eschatology and so on and so forth. But you got to be firm on who Jesus is and what he's done for us. There, there is no other option. If we're not there, then we're in some other place. We're not in the right place either. Uh, so here's, um, here's the question, here's the answer, and this is the uh, Bueno de Faria is the, the gentleman there. And he said, the ecumenical movement plays a significant role in international multilateral dialogue by fostering peace, mutual understanding, tell me when we reach Jesus, mutual understanding and respect among different faith communities. But more importantly, so different faith communities isn't important. More importantly than those different faith communities, it advocates for social, ecological, and economic justice by addressing poverty, inequalities, human rights abuses, climate change, and other global challenges. The collective voice of the ecumenical movement can influence international policies, so now it's a political movement, and encourage cooperation to address these issues. The ecumenical movement often aligns with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. We just talked about this last week, right? Agenda 2030. And works to mobilize resources and expertise to achieve these goals. This can involve partnerships with international organizations and governments to address global development challenges. That's what ecumenicalism is now. Uh, that's ridiculous. That makes no sense whatsoever, but that's the agenda. The agenda is to implement Agenda 2030. It's to support everything that the UN is doing, the World Economic Forum is doing. So the World Council of Churches is an international, I got this off their website, international interdenominational fellowship of Christian churches. I don't know which Christian they're talking about, including mainline Protestant, Anglican, and Eastern Orthodox churches. Just including those. Okay, so they had a they had a mention churches that had Christian monikers with them. The WCC is intentionally ecumenical and inclusive. There's that word again. 
Ecumenism is a movement that promotes worldwide unity among all religions through greater cooperation. So this is from their website once again. The World Council of Churches was founded in Amsterdam in 1948. Its current headquarters are in Geneva, Switzerland. The World Council of Churches has membership churches in more than 110 countries and territories throughout the world, representing over 560 million individuals. So this isn't just a little movement of people that are, you know, just making a bunch of noise. It's a big organization. Although you may not be um, familiar with them, they're one of those that are corrupting uh, the church and the world today. Historically, the World Council of Churches has been led by those who hold to liberal theology and promote progressive social policies such as abortion. Uh, The World Council of Churches accepts the ordination of women approves the ordination of practicing homosexual, uh, homosexuals and tolerates an amazing variety of heretical beliefs. At a re-imaging concert, uh, conference excuse me, in Minneapolis in 1993, the Deputy General Secretary of the WCC, Mercy Oduyu, taught that we all have spirit mothers who avenge us. Okay. I have an Italian mother. That's a little different. She's with the Lord now. The same conference also featured Kwak Pulan, a WCC member who defines salvation as bringing out what is within you and quoted Gnostic Gospels where she achieved this knowledge. Pulan justified her use of Gnostic texts by stating that since it was men who decided the canon of the Bible, she was not obliged to accept it. Okay, there you go. Another organization working to connect world religions is the United Nations. Here's a picture of a sculpture created for the United Nations on display at their headquarters. Pretty nice, huh? This was on their website um, on November of 2021. It's still there. I went there and checked it out today. It's still there. This is called A Guardian for International Peace and Security. It sits on the visitor's plaza outside the UN headquarters. Uh, The Guardian is a fusion of a jaguar and eagle donated by the government of Oaxaca, Mexico. And uh, so it sounds like the the artists carved this straight out of the Bible. They said, all right, let's find something in the Bible that um, really is worth designing, and, and then we will design that. You see, in uh, Daniel chapter 7, it describes four beasts that come up out of the sea, and the first was like a lion, and it had eagle's wings. And, uh, you know, that's pretty good. That, pretty close, huh? And notice what the statue represents. It's a guardian for international peace and security. That sounds like First Thessalonians chapter 5. For you yourselves know perfectly well that the day of the Lord shall come as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, sudden destructing comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. So many assign that verse, the peace and safety, to Israel. When Israel says peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes. But if you really look at the verse, it doesn't make sense because Israel's not the one saying peace and safety. It's the community around them that says 
peace and safety, and then sudden destruction comes upon them. Not on Israel, on them. Because what happens? Israel's hanging out, and the enemy comes in, and God smites them. And so peace and safety wasn't being said by Israel. It was being said uh, by these other nations that were coming in to attack them, maybe like them, right? Like the UN. But the United Nations also has their own religious organization. That's called URI, and that's who this is. Uh, Peace, Justice, Healing. So who we are. The purpose of the United Religions Initiative, URI, is to promote enduring daily interfaith cooperation to end religiously motivated violence and to create cultures of peace, justice, and healing for the earth and all living beings. Now, once again, I I got this off their website. Earth is capitalized. um, So earth uh, is their God. And we want healing for the earth. And, oh yeah, and, and those other living beings. Um, as, as long as we're not talking a, a, about humans. Um, so, we, um, this is the Arizona version of this organization. Now, they have many organizations in this URI. There's, in 109 countries, they've been around for over 20 years. And so this isn't something that just came up out of nowhere. That's four, this is five. So in case you're wondering, this slide here is this group um, in Arizona with 925 members, and it's called the Arizona Faith Network. They have different people from Christianity, Islam, Judaism, and Unitarian Universalism, all in this group, and they're all in faith together. Pretty cool, huh? You know, it's just the fact that I don't have a problem with people of different faiths getting together and talking, discussing things. Let's sit down and discuss things. I don't have a problem with that. But I'm a Christian because it's the best religion out there. Sorry, there's no other one better. If I didn't believe that, if I didn't believe that this was a true religion, the one true religion, then I wouldn't be in it. I wouldn't be a Christian. But it's been proven to me over and over again not by any human, but by the one who became human for me, to die for me. He proves it over and over in my own life. And now I know that it is true because I can see the impact of following Jesus. In my that doesn't mean... I. I know this is going to be shocking for you. That doesn't mean I'm perfect. I know. I know it's shocking because you guys pretty much see that, you know, I'm pretty close, right? You know. You see what I want you to see, right? Isn't that true? Isn't that what everyone sees, what you want them to see? The fact of the matter is you can't see what's going on inside my head. And closing my eyes doesn't help. But um, you you know who knows? My wife. Um, You know, she knows. She's not here tonight. Pray for her. She had a a lady that, um, she's the, uh, Cheryl is the uh, community center program coordinator. And there's been a lady that she's been working with actually for years, but for the last year has come in and, and uh, Cheryl keeps a bowl of candy for the folks that are coming to the community center and they go into her desk and they get a candy bar and they go and um, play their games, do whatever. And, uh, and she 
would come in, you know, three times a week, get her candy, talk to Cheryl for a little bit. And she died um, today. And Cheryl's been witnessing to her for a long time. And, um, and she always said, you know, no, it's not for me. Um, it's for everyone. And so she's uh, a little hurt tonight. She has a heart broken. And uh, pray for her, please. But um, she has a lot of impact over there in that community center. And uh, so, anyway, all of this is happening. All these groups are getting together. And um, there's one more um, person that is bringing people together. Go ahead, Joel. However, some may wonder why the Pope is visiting Muslims and not just Catholics. What God wants is for there to be fraternity among us. This is why, in a special way, I made this trip to be with our Muslim brothers and sisters, children of Abraham, like us. He recalled that Catholics are not the only believers in the world. He also said that the variety of faiths should not divide. Why does God allow there to be many religions? God wanted to allow it. Scholastic theologians says, God's permissive will. He wanted to allow this reality. There are many religions that are born from culture, but they always look to heaven, they look to God. We should not be afraid of difference, God has allowed it. However, we should be afraid if we do not work together with our brothers and sisters because we live together. That is the Pope talking about meeting with the Muslim leaders and he says, hey, we're all brothers and sisters. We all look to the same God. There's nothing further from the truth. And I don't like to disrespect someone in such a high position, um, but that's all man's doing. He is not a representative of my church um, and, uh, and or most of your churches. He is someone that puts himself out there. I don't know if you know that uh, the Pope has a hat that he wears and the Latin on the front of it says, Vicar of Christ. He is Christ on earth is what that means. He's Christ representative on earth. And um, uh, we are all Christ representative on earth, but we don't have the authority uh, to make mandates and tell people what to do. Uh, we share the good news with them and people get to choose on their own what to do. He's doing a lot of unusual things um, in his popacy, and, uh, and it's just not good, but it is good for setting up for a new world religion. He's bringing people together, uh, you know, for this new world. Have you ever thought that there would be a Muslim nation that would bring together with Catholics and with Jews and create a place for all to worship together. A mosque, a church, and Abu Dhabi's first purpose-built synagogue three deeply reverent and architecturally stunning places of worship in the heart of the United Arab Emirates. A project aimed at fostering interfaith dialogue and understanding. 
I sat down with the president of the Abrahamic family house, Mohammed al-Mubarak, and world-renowned architect, Sir David Ajay. Mohammed, what does it mean to the UAE? You have the UAE today, over 200 nationalities that call the UAE home. So we need to make sure that all these nationalities have the comfort to call this place home. The reason why they're able to do this because they say we all stem from the same leader, Abraham. So since we all have the same Abrahamic leadership, we can all then worship together, even in our own way. Well, Muslims do not believe in God, Yahweh, uh, as being the God of the universe. Their God is the sun God, and, uh, or the moon God, or I, I forget which God, but it's not the, the God that we worship. And uh, they uh, are, there, there's a lot of stuff going on right now over in Saudi Arabia and, um, and, and Bahrain and, and places like that, that are building new relationships based on the Abrahamic uh, accords that they are establishing. There's a lot of stuff going on right now. As a matter of fact, uh, Monday, I was watching a video that was talking all about what's going on. And there's some stuff going on behind the scenes. Uh, I guess Saudi Arabia has invested a billion dollars into Israel and into um, companies that are in Israel right now. So there's a bunch of stuff going on there. And uh, it's all going on behind the scenes. So... We'll find out in the next few months how that plays out, if we're still here. Um, but I don't know how they're able to do these things. I don't know how uh, they or what they uh, plan on getting out of it. But doesn't this set up for a one-world religion? They're calling it Chrislam. I'm sure you've heard of that term. But if you really look at what they're doing, they're including everyone in this now, uh, especially the synagogue wasn't originally planned to be there. It was just going to be a church and a mosque. And somehow through the, the Kushner conversations, they decided to put a synagogue in there also. And, and so it's like, are you kidding me right now? Uh, they are really going all in with this one world religion. We're warned about this in the Bible. We're warned not to do this. Second Corinthians chapter 6 verse 14 tells us, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness, and what communion has light with darkness? That pretty much spells it out. We should not be in relationships. And once again, I don't have a problem talking to someone from one of the other religions. I'll talk, you know, all day long. I may not listen, but I'll talk, and I may hear what they have to say, but I know that what they're saying isn't based on truth or fact, and so it's not really going to go very far with me. Then uh, next is uh, Galatians 1. It tells us, I marvel that you're turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than that which we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you other than what you have received, let him be accursed. So the apostate members of these ecumenical organizations, uh, they're going to have no problem combining uh, these institutes together to make this new religion. And it's likely going to happen after the rapture. Once the Christians are out of here, everyone else is all on the same playing field. They're all 
wrong. There is no truth to what they believe. So here are some of the identifying characteristics of uh, false religious systems. First of all, they are based on an unbiblical doctrine. Diversity is great, except when we compromise biblical values so we don't offend someone. We should be diverse. We shouldn't all look the same. We shouldn't, we all come from different places. We all come from different backgrounds. We all bring some of our um, past with us. But if what we have in our past contradicts biblical truth, keep it in the past. When people are teaching something and it contradicts what the word of God says, you know that it's wrong. The world wants to be woke, uh, but they need to be woke to the spirit of God, not to the spirit of this world. <clears throat> and then there's the entertainment-based doctrine that's out there. Uh, people want to be entertained all the time. And we see many churches heading in that direction. Entertainment, entertainment, they want to, you know, if they can get you dancing, you know, I don't have a problem with dancing, by the way. There's nothing, you know, wrong with getting, with moving in the spirit. But if that's the whole point of worship is to dance, sorry, that's not the point. Because there are times when I worship and I'm immobile. I just am standing in awe of our creator. You know, like that song, I can only imagine, you know, I'm going to fall on my face or am I just going to stand there in awe? Yeah, probably all of the above. I'm going to do it all. I'm going to worship God that way. <clears throat> it's okay to have a gifted worship leader, but it's not okay to focus the attention on that worship leader. It's not okay to make that person or that group or whoever it is, even when it comes to a pastor. Celebrity pastors, I think, are wrong. There shouldn't be celebrity pastors. Now, I know many of you know who Jack Hibbs is, and people would call him a celebrity pastor because he's out there, you know, all the time, I just saw him, he was at uh, one of the big meetings and stuff. He sat down with DeSantis and, and uh, Michelle Bachman, and he's doing all of these different interviews and everything. But I sat with Jack in his office, one-on-one. -on -one. He's just a wonderful man of God. He just wants to go out there and reach the world. He wants to make a difference. And so I know that there are people like that. But you know what I'm talking about when I say celebrity pastors. Uh, they're the pastors that have two jets and, uh, you know, when, when they get to their uh, location, it's all about the money, it's all about what you can give me, you know, and uh, a lot of these people are uh, fleecing the flock. That's uh, what the problem is. If the message they deliver contradicts the Bible, but it's accepted by society, it's the wrong message. Politically correct doesn't mean biblically correct. <laughs> As a matter of fact, it's probably just the opposite. <clears throat> Watered down salvation. That's a message that's out there. People accuse Calvary Chapel of having a watered down grace because um, we offer grace to everyone. We say, you know what? God had grace for me, you know, and, and God gives grace to everyone. Mercy and grace, that, that's the business God is in. Mercy and grace and forgiveness. And people say, no, that's too easy. Yeah, salvation is easy. It's living as a believer that's hard. It's actually living like I believe that makes it hard. So if I say I'm a believer and I receive the grace of God and the mercy of God and I'm the forgiveness of God, but it doesn't change my life, then maybe I'm missing the boat. Maybe I'm not really saved. I have to make that decision 
uh, to be saved not only, but also to be obedient to the word of God, to hear what God has to say. And a lot of people, they're saved. They're, woohoo, I'm saved. I don't have to go to church because I'm saved. I, I already, I'm in. Once saved, always saved. I'm not going to hell or anything like that. You know what? They would be right. They'd actually be right. But it's like getting married and saying, I don't have to go home. I don't have to go to my wife. I could just do what I want. Woohoo! What kind of relationship are you going to have? You may have a document, but you don't have a relationship. And we need to be in a relationship with the lover of our souls, the one who came and died for us and, and saved us from ourselves and from eventual death and eternity separated from him. That's an awesome thing, huh? Watered down salvation. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Uh, so there it is. No matter how many doors you knock on, no matter how much money you give, no matter how many times you go to church, none of that saves us. But that is the result of someone being saved. If someone's saved, they want to go to church. They want to hear from the Lord. They want to be involved. They want to bless others. They want to donate. We don't talk about money very much in our church. It's just not something I do. We don't ask for, for donations. We don't talk about money because that's between you and God. I think everyone should give. I think that's just something that we should be doing. But not, you know, if it's grudgingly. Not if, oh, I've got to write this check. I've got to give this money and so on and so forth. Or if you think you're getting to heaven because of how much money you give. It's not going to do it. By the way, if you're a visitor here, please don't give any money. This, that's, that's for people that, live in this church that call this their church and that's why they support the church and the ministry here so uh, I, I but I mentioned that because that's part of what people get hung up about I'm doing what I'm supposed to do because I do these things wrong false prophecy and fake miracles are also a problem with bad churches there's False prophecy, they give a prophecy, it doesn't happen. How many prophecies were there that September 23rd was the rapture? Did anyone hear that? Okay. September 23rd, I was sitting there the whole day <laughs> waiting for the rapture. I'm jump, jumping. I was not. Didn't even think about it. Because if someone said it was September 23rd, that's, the, that's not going to be, it's not going to be September 23rd. We'll, we'll go do something else. But we get caught up. And when people prophesy these things and say things and they don't take place, we're not supposed to stone them. Although in the Old Testament, it would be quite all right to do that. But... It's the New Testament. So we don't listen to them anymore. That's the mark of a prophet. They have to be right 100% of the time. Jesus is coming in the rapture. When? I'm not telling you because I don't know. And when he comes and takes us home, then I'll know. I'll be waving. No, I won't. I, I, it's going to be so fast, but I'm not going to have my attention on anyone around me. My attention's going to be on the one who came for me. Remember what John wrote in 1 John 4, 1. It says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's all we need to know. That's all we need to stand on all of these other religions that are trying to um, 
water themselves down or water us down by saying, oh, can we, we're all brothers and sisters. The Pope, we're all, we're all family. And that ain't right. That's wrong. There's only one way. Jesus said it, and I believe it. Amen?